Fueled by the Outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Brought to you by the Elite Outdoors. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. What's up, guys? And as we're dealing cards around the table today, uh, after Chris, we've got... Josh House, Pickles and Bones Barbecue. And? Uh, Matt Amrine, Pickles and Bones number one fan, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, one, thanks so much for coming on today because we're really excited about this. We've been talking about having someone of your caliber on here for a very long time since we've, you know... Chris and I had the idea for the podcast. We're like, we want to cover everything. Yes. And as we were talking about before this, one of the biggest things that we want to talk about is preparing stuff. And that's half of what being in the outdoors is about. Sure. Cooking after you've got your game and everything. It's wonderful. So kind of want to get your background um, from – you know, start to finish. Okay, so cool. if you want to, you know, take the reins on it. Awesome. Cool. Well, first off, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, uh, as far as someone of my caliber, I'm not exactly sure what that means, but we're going to roll with that and say it's something that's good. Um, it's good. Okay, cool. So, um, you know, I started, I, I grew up in Miamisburg, Ohio, about 10 minutes south of Dayton. Uh, I started off making pizzas when I was 14 and a half, 15, whatever it was. Um, we talked earlier, I went to, uh, Eastern Kentucky University for a year, um, spent a couple years at UC. Um, during that time, I ended up working at Max and Irma's up in Rookwood, and really then was the time I kind of realized that being in the kitchen was the spot for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's not just making food, it's the, the camaraderie. It's kind of, I kind of liken it more to being part of a team, uh, kind of a sports team of anything else. And for any of us uh, failed high school athletes, I think we're always <laughs> looking for some other team that we can be a part of where we, where we feel like we're contributing uh, so I ended up going to culinary school for a year at Cincinnati State. Uh, I went and ended up moving down to Louisville, Kentucky, and went a year down there at Jefferson Community College. I uh, worked at the Sealbach Hilton Hotel in downtown nice. Louisville. Uh, moved out to Phoenix, Arizona for a couple years. Uh, worked in a really high-end fine dining restaurant called Kai uh, at the Sheridan Wild Horse Pass Resort. Um, it's a five-star, five-diamond. Um, Holy crap. So at that point, it was really focused on really high-end food, um, working with high-end ingredients, learning new techniques, uh, moved back to Louisville uh, to work at the Oak Room at the Sealbach. Again, five diamond, like mm-hmm. high-end. Um, but kind of as your career goes on, and then I moved on, worked in another hotel, Marriott up here. We moved up to Cincinnati. I was a chef at Parker's. In Blue Ash? Blue Ash, yeah, okay. which, which uh, recently closed yeah. um, for good a couple weeks ago. And then after that was the chef at at the Golden Lamb in Lebanon, um, which we touched on a little bit earlier. You know, it's mm-hmm. been there since 1803. I urge everybody to go check it out, and especially in these times where we're having restaurants are struggling, you know, go support the places that are close to you. Um, and then we opened Pickles and Bones. We started on Sundays in uh, 2015. Uh, I was a chef at the Golden Lamb on Sundays. We'd run the trailer. We did, I think, 10 or 12 Sundays as kind of a little test to see if um, – Obviously, it was already going to be kind of stupid to leave a full-time job um, with benefits to go open a little <laughs> tiny 8x12 trailer, but we really wanted to test the concept, see if we thought we could make a run of it, and then in May, we just hit our May of 2016, we opened up full-time okay. a little 8x12 trailer in the parking lot with three little Oklahoma Joe smokers, Oklahoma Joe Longhorns <laughs> out in front. 
Um, my red truck was in the parking lot every day and spend a night there a lot, uh, setting alarms to get up and check check the smokers. We've uh, 2017 in November we opened our brick and mortar carry out uh, location. We've been there since. That's awesome. Good deal. Good deal. Can you move your mic a little bit closer to your face? Yep. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you, you've you've kind of been in all areas of the culinary world. Sure. I mean, from you know. I mean, I guess that's where most people start is like basically, you know, line washing, cook, dishes. washing dishes, that yeah, kind of stuff. 100%. You know, I, I, you, anybody you talk to that's moved their way up kind of does that yep. to owning your own business and being, I mean, from kind of my perspective, a lot different from the fine dining restaurants and that kind of stuff. Not that, you know, smoked meats can't be a very fine dining experience, at right. least in my mind. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, two you know, very different worlds. What, as, as a proprietor and a chef, what, what are the two things that you kind of noticed or a couple of things that you've noticed differently between those two worlds? Well, the one thing I think is you spend enough time working in fine dining, you learn the technique, which is really, really, really big key to, to doing anything, whether it's shooting a bow or shooting a gun or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Like you have to have the proper technique and cooking is no different For without sure. the fundamentals, without the proper technique without the right equipment, nobody's going to be good at it. So fine dining really gives you that background. But then you start learning in that fine dining period that most of the people that you associate with can't afford to come eat in your restaurants. Mm -hmm. So the kind of people that you're feeding or maybe not necessarily the kind of people that you want to be around on a regular (laughs) basis. So your friends can't come and support you, really. It's not a – and it's it's a weird feeling because you feel like – you're happy to be learning and you want to kind of push yourself to be as good as you can, but you get to a point where like, this is fine. And some people continue down that path and that's great. You know, they like to stay in the high end, but I think for us, you know, my wife has a similar background. She worked at Masonette in Cincinnati. Oh, wow. So she worked with uh, Jean Robert. Uh, She was before Jean Robert. So Bertrand Bucan was her chef. um, uh, And then I, she was actually my chef when in Louisville, when I came back to work there. Okay. So we both have a, a very, high-end fine dining background, which really is like the fundamental for what we do. Mm -hmm. That's why we do stuff at the end of the day. Like, yeah, we just smoke meat and make sides, but we pay a lot closer attention Mm -hmm. and a lot more attention to the details than a lot of other people do from whether it comes from sourcing higher end products, which is something you would do in high, high end fine dining. Um, and also caring for those products properly, cooking them correctly, and then presenting them well. And just thinking about, different aspects you know like uh, i just think that the background really gets you to where to where you are now so so technique is is, is something that is preached mm-hmm. everywhere you go like yeah. you, you you brought it perfectly um chris we've talked about this before with like shooting bows oh, yeah. shooting guns anything like that what in terms of technique do you feel are the most important things for preparing food game anything like that and you know i know before we talked about this handling from start to finish right. is a huge, huge part of that. But if you could kind of like impart some knowledge for anybody listening, w- what are some techniques that you typically see as like, these are the ones that you really need to rely on the most? I think the biggest thing that you notice between like a professional cook and a home cook is knife skills. Number mm-hmm. one, how you handle a knife, how you, your comfortability with a knife. Like that's don't put your extension. finger on the top. Yeah. That's a, it's an extension <laughs> of your hand really. I mean, I'm sure, and I'm sure in many capacities, like a, like a firearm or bow is the same way. Like mm-hmm. it's an extension of your hand. Like 
I know if I pick up a knife, I know exactly what's going to happen with it. And, but it, it's repetition, it's repetition, it's repetition. Mm-hmm. Another thing is seasoning. Almost all the time, like professional kitchen, we use a shitload of salt and pepper. We use way more salt than anybody else does. Mm-hmm. We use a ton of butter. It makes everything great. And that's the French background for, for most people. Like, yeah, but it's true. I mean, we, no, it is, it is. We, it's absolutely we, when we true. Put a, when we put like an allergen guide together and you look at it for people, it's like, shit, we put butter in almost everything. <laughs> One way or another. You know, obviously not in the brisket, but you know, when we reheat turkeys, when, mm-hmm. we, when we heat up chicken, it goes in. So there's butter. So it's building flavor, building flavors and starting at the base, but really like without knife skills, you're kind of you're kind of at a loss already. If you mm-hmm. can't handle a knife, it's really going to be a challenge. Like sure. just when we were talking about you know breaking down a whole animal, you know, for most people, they go to the grocery store, they pick up a pack of chicken breasts, they come home, it's wrapped in cellophane. That's a lot different than taking taking down a, down a deer out in the woods mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and having to dress it. So I think that extension of understanding how to handle a knife properly and really working on your knife skills is probably is probably the biggest thing in seasoning to me is number two. Good deal. Taste, taste, taste. It, it, exactly. And one one of the things, like when when I think of like, we do fish fries yes. every, every year. We do yeah. fish fries. Yeah. One of the things that when someone says, "Oh, like fish tastes good," what did you do to it? I'm like, I seasoned it before I put it in the flour. Mm-hmm. Like you season you season the fish, you season the flour, and it's, and it's you season fresh. the egg, and it's fresh. You yes. don't you don't want nasty God, old yes. fish. You can't make you can't make a good. You can't make good anything. If you start with bad, you can't make good out of it. Yes. You can take good and turn it into shit. <laughs> but, you, but you can't. It doesn't go the other way. Yeah. You can't start with bad products. Like you start with fresh fish, you're already at an advantage from somebody that's using a frozen piece of fish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same as like we use only prime brisket. Yeah. We start, we're already starting above a choice product or whatever else it is. So you start, you, you're giving yourself every advantage to be successful. Mm-hmm. Now, there's still an opportunity to screw it up, but... You're trying to kind of mitigate those risks in that process. Absolutely. Man, I, I feel like such a winner right now. He said <laughs> salt and butter. And <laughs> that's, that's right, man. That's my, I live in that world. The, the, those, those are the keys. Like, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 like not, 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 any, not any substitute for it. My wife, <laughs> no. She'll bitch at me. She'll be like, are you really going to use that much butter? And I'm like, yes. Yes, I yeah. am. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and then like for people, you know, like, like people are like, oh, we'll use margarine. Like it's pretty much just plastic. It's melted down. That's like, gross. It's... <laughs> Just, yeah, it's no different than it's no different than looking at when people talk about the 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 food chain or the food supply, mm-hmm. like eat lesser, more quality meat. Yeah. Instead of eating t- two pounds of shitty meat, eat six ounces of really quality meat mm-hmm. that's seasoned well, that's got a nice slab of butter put on top of it. And, and it's going to be much more satisfying. Yep. Like there's a law of diminishing returns no matter what it is like this much ice cream. And this much ice cream, you know, like (laughs) this doesn't make it better. I'd rather have that much really, really high quality of whatever Exactly. Agree. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and and you bring up the perfect point, the law of diminishing your returns. Like you can't, you know, we talked about um, when you get larger scale with stuff. Yeah. You can't have a hundred percent of the time. You can't scale 10. You you can't scale 10 because a hundred percent of the time isn't going to happen all the time. No. But if you do it small scale and you do it like how you guys have done it, right. you're going to get a better product almost every time that you, you know, rather than going to, you know, one of the big large chains places. Not that there's anything wrong with that kind no. of stuff, but if you want good quality stuff, you know, start at the beginning. Right. You know, that that's the important thing. So, um, well, and to build on that before yeah. you switch, 
the start at the beginning thing is the important part of anything that whether it's fine dining in a restaurant or you just shot that trophy buck yep the the care starts immediately if you throw it in the back of your truck and drive it around in 90 Mm -hmm. degree heat and show all your buddies and don't get it hung up and get the you know get the coat off of it let it start (laughs) yep you know cooling down you're gonna have a crappy product Mm -hmm. when you're done the same thing like Carroll Creek, you mentioned before, yep. they're not butchering their hogs and then letting them sit out no. for no. a couple of hours before they decide to do so. You know, the care starts right. immediately, and that's one thing I think that gets overlooked sometimes with fish or deer or Agreed. Uh, a cow or pig or whatever. I mean, anything, even vegetables. Like yeah. If oh you yeah, hundred percent. Let it just hang out. I mean, it's well, and that's that's the route that I kind of wanted to take here. Is you know. starting out with this stuff like it it, it is so important you know you you bring you bring up deer and vegetables um we're you know we're getting ready to you know head into summer to mean today's the unofficial start if you if you listen to people but you know the reality the reality of it is is that people are gonna have gardens i know like i'm gonna have beans here within the next three weeks (laughs) easily um pickles beans all peppers all that kind of stuff and if you want it to taste good and you're preserving, or if you want it to taste good and pickling, or any of that kind of stuff, you don't want to you know, take a bunch of wilty crap and no. like throw it in there and say, "Oh, this is going to taste good." It it just won't. No. Same yeah. same with deer. Um, I get a bad rap because my HOA doesn't like that I have a deer harness hung underneath <laughs> my deck. Um, you know, people walking their dogs in the morning don't like seeing a dead deer hanging there. But at the same time. Um, that's what I found is the easiest, quickest way of me getting a deer, you know, completely broken down and into a cooler. Right. And then, you know, taking care of it, bleeding off the blood and all that kind of stuff over the next few days. Yeah, I agree. Uh, when you talk about that, you know, we were talking about um, talking with Josh here about uh, whether or not he thought he might like to expand and stuff like that and how he goes about uh, prepping food for so many people. And I think one thing that's important for people to know I'm not knocking on any processors or anything. Please don't take it that way. But there's a difference between uh, a bow shop working on your bow and you working on your bow. There's a difference between a butcher taking Mm -hmm. your animal versus you taking your animal. Or in Josh's case, he worked his ass off to start this restaurant and, and his wife did as well. And nobody will ever love that as much as them so nobody's going to take i don't care what anybody says nobody's going to take care of your deer the way you will so if i could give anybody any advice go on youtube uh if you want in the by deer season you'll be able to look us up and we will have a how to everything Mm -hmm. when it comes to breaking down deer and all kinds of other game animals and i know there's plenty of people out there that can that can give that advice as well but um you have to learn how to take care of those things yourself if you have the access to do so. Not everybody does. We've got people that live in apartments and people, mm-hmm. you know, when I started hunting, I had a an 87 Ford Tempo. Well, <laughs> you stuff that bitch in the, the trunk and it's partially in the back seat and you go somewhere and find a tree and cut it up as best you can to get it in your fridge. And there's a, there's a huge misconception that when you kill a deer – you have like 17 chest freezers full of meat and you no, hear you about do not. you hear uh, <laughs> so many times um, being a processor for a little while and then running this page 
you hear about people talking about getting shorted. They they got shorted on their deer. I killed a big doe and I only got 35 or 40 pounds. And it's like, well, you didn't, nobody wants your deer, mate. You didn't get shorted. It's that you killed a doe. Right. You, you didn't kill a megalodon buck. <laughs> you killed a doe and that's how much meat you got. So you can literally fit one or two deer in the top freezer box of your refrigerator there. So don't feel intimidated. You know, if you don't debone it, of course you're not going to. But if you debone that meat and trim it up and, and wrap it and everything, you can fit a couple of deer in the top of a freezer. So, uh, yeah, case in point, do your own stuff, man. Nobody will ever care like you do about your your bow, your gun, your deer, whatever. Yeah. And I'm, ask somebody for help. Yes. I mean, oh, yeah. even some strangers. <laughs> yeah. Don't be too are, proud. Yeah, are willing to show you. I mean, I got into this a lot uh, closer to now than a lot of people have. And I've learned a ton from just having Chris show me. I mean, I still bring, bring my deer here. and But I try to do more and more each time and, mm-hmm. and become more comfortable with the process. But So, yeah, don't be too proud to ask for help. You'd be surprised at how many people are willing to lend a hand and, and educate. Yeah, I'd say this kind of the community of, of, of hunters and fishermen, like, and people that like smoking meat, like, more <sighs> often than not, the people are, more <laughs> often than not, people are willing to share information and help mm-hmm. you out. Like, this isn't, don't, we don't have any proprietary secrets out here. Like, right. Like, yeah. Like, I, I, it's I'm not sure Coke and a, Pepsi. Yeah, I'm sure there's a couple, <laughs> there maybe there's people have a slightly different method on how they, how they break down an animal. Um, from start to finish, but most people are going to share and be willing to be, cause they want you to ultimately have a good experience. Absolutely. And I think yeah. doing it yourself, there's no, there's no, like Chris was saying, you know, there's no substitute for doing it yourself. Right. And to care for it. Cause you see, you see the whole process through from start to finish. And it's, it's really funny too, because it, it's almost like when you met the one, mm-hmm. you can't shut up when you, when you're in Cabela's or you're, talking with your buddy about smoking and mm-hmm. you know wherever um if somebody looks like they need help or whatever they're just existing in life you you talk i i have to talk to people about fishing and <laughs> hunting and then you go into before you know it your wife's bitching at you because you've been in cabela's for two hours and 40 minutes when it was supposed to be 20 and you've met three people and now you're on a first name basis with them. I mean, it's amazing how the community, and it's the same thing uh, when we talked about smoking on mm-hmm. the page, mm-hmm. people came out of the woodwork to help and just say, Hey, this is how I do it. Check this out. And it's like, damn. Well, and everybody's got a different way of doing it. Just mm-hmm. like we talked about, like you're different from other restaurants in yeah. the area. Cause you, you know, you do your stuff differently. Just like I'm different from how I do stuff with, uh, do smoking different from Chris or Matt. And everybody's got, you know, kind of the way that they were brought up. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've, we've had this discussion before on here about the way you're brought up is typically how your work ethic is going to be mm-hmm. and how you're going to learn how to do something moving forward. You know, the, the biggest thing that, you know, you, you asked like, what, what's the first thing that, uh, you learn how to smoke. You said, uh, you were, I think you were talking about like wanting to do a pork butt. Um, yeah. my, the first thing I learned how to smoke was, uh, deer pastrami's and, nice. Yeah. Oh man. They're good. Oh, they're, they're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're so, they're so good. good. Oh, it's great. The, but I'm like, man, I want to do that. Yeah. 
And then I look, I'm like, oh, there's this is like a six day process of oh, like yeah. you gotta cure it, you gotta figure out the right cut of meat. Yep. And you know, if I do a, a roast versus, you know, uh you know, of a tenderloin or something like that, it's gonna be completely two completely different things. And you gotta figure out all that different stuff. But like you said, ask. Ask questions. I mm-hmm. went I went online and just kind of like you know, what, what do I need to do here? And right. people are willing to give you information regarding this stuff. And it, it's, it's not anything along the lines of, you know, people are holding this stuff so close to the chest that they don't ever want to talk to it because this is stuff that we all really like talking about. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, people, like I said, ask, especially now. Everybody's, especially now, there's, and there's no shortage mm-hmm. of resources. Like, there's no mm-hmm. excuse for not, if you're just stubborn, then that's your choice. But... There's no shortage of, of, of resources out there to reach out to people to, to ask for help on that kind of stuff. Exactly, exactly. So, Chris, I know you had a couple of things that you wanted to kind of lead into with some of this stuff. And, you know, I've, I'll save my stuff. And you probably hear the thunder and lightning in the background at this We're point. On day 67 of rain. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop you know, raining we, already. We talk about wanting to be the outdoors. It's like this is the exact opposite time. The great indoors. <laughs> the it's, great indoors right oh now. Oh, my God. My, I hope my brother-in-law doesn't. So to make fun of me, my brother-in-law, Aaron Christopher Brady, if anybody wants to look him up, um, <laughs> he created a group called the Elite Indoors, and he posts the dumbest shit. It's hilarious, but That's sometimes funny. I'm just like, what? how do you come up with this? But COVID didn't help myself. That's funny. <laughs> so um, with all this being said, uh, I wanted to talk to you. Um, first off, let's talk about your process as far as a day feeding the people of Milford and really Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. How do you go about preparing smoked meats for so many people? Because I just got a smoker and obviously I'm new at this, but I could probably feed like 10 people or so, but I mean, you're feeding <laughs> in the hundreds here and this is not okay food. We're, t- we're talking about some really, really, high quality food and for anybody that hasn't been to pickles and bones you know not to be captain pluggington here but you're on drugs if you have not been to this place you need to go check <laughs> or you out live across the river pick or that <laughs> you need to go check out pickles and bones it is unlike probably most things that you've ever had i i, I know there's other good places out there but uh, it is different from anything that we have in our city so that said how do you go about starting your day to feed all these people yeah and i think it's and also they've got bridges that come across that river man you yeah. can make i i know they do i know they do we're not that far <laughs> <laughs> and you, you know you know the sad thing is is like my brother lives in milford my parents live you know over here too and right. i really i'm driving over here like once a week so i'm, I'm gonna have to you do that stop by, man. I, I i will definitely stop by this year no i mean i think the biggest thing for for its experience, it's have an opportunity, you know, at work at a place like Golden Lamb where you'd have a holiday and you have 1,200 people coming in. So organization is probably another thing where that home cooks f- make mistakes on. I suck at that. <clears throat> you know, you, it's, it's putting stuff, <laughs> it's kind of triaging whatever you're working on and figuring out when you have to start this. But it's a lot of organization. It's a lot of detailed prep lists. And then for us, the hardest thing is, like you, you were saying, you know, making food for your family. If you had to make the exact same thing every single day for 10 people, 
the consistency is what has to become the key. Yes. That's really the biggest thing for us that we're always focused on is like somebody can, somebody might come out and they'll put out a great special and it's a great special for one day. It's a lot harder to do the same thing over and over and over again for mm-hmm. 500 days mm-hmm. straight. And, it, and for one of you guys to come in and be like, you know, every single time I come here, the brisket's on point. Every single time I come, I love the chicken. Like, because if you come one time and you love the brisket and you come the next time and it's tough, you're not going to come back. Right. Sure. It's really the key to repeat, to, to repeat customers. Well, you bring up such a good point about the organization thing. So every year for my birthday, I do a dinner party. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I love Mexican food. One, yep. of my, one of my favorite things. I will start a week and a half before. Like, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to do it. This yeah. is how I'm going to do it. And this this is just for one meal, yeah. like for 20 people. And I, I love doing it. It's one of my favorite things to do. But if someone said, I want you to do this every day and I want you to do it for 100 people, there's no way in hell I could do it. I, 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 know, I know, at least for me in right. my head, it'd be tough. You know, the organization point, what what's some, some tools or some things that you think of that, you know, most home cooks or most people who are like smoking meat and that kind of stuff in their backyard for their families. What are some, you know, kind of wisdom that you can impart upon them? So for, so for me, I, I have to put it down on paper, whatever it is. That's I what I do as well. I can't operate off my head because then obviously when you're running a business and you have something in your head and then somebody comes in and they need something and then the cook calls <laughs> off and then a delivery shows up, you really like to me, that's the biggest thing. Uh-huh. And now with all the technology we have, you put some notes in your phone, you check it. When I first started smoking brisket, every time I smoked one, I would note the temperature outside, mm-hmm. what the weather was like. Was it windy? Was it breezy? How long did it take me? What did I do wrong? What would I do different next time? Because if not, even if I did it two days before, I'll, I'll forget what I'll mm-hmm. forget what happened. It's just human nature. I think so. For me, I'm, I'm very like list-oriented. And then it also makes me see, like even if it's a simple task of like, Get salt and pepper. Okay. And then I can cross it off. And then mm-hmm. I know I'm on mm-hmm. tax too. And then once you put everything down on the list, then you can kind of prioritize like, okay, like you're talking about getting ready for a week and a half. Yep. And that in and of itself and doing something like that big for one day, I think also can be maybe even a bigger challenge because you're not used to it. So right. You're trying to like, but I would exactly. start, I think the, the farther ahead you can get. And if even it's just one task, like I want to pick up tortillas on Tuesday, mm-hmm. cross it off, man. Cause then, and then you feel like you accomplished something. Cause there's nothing worse than getting to the end of the day and be like, I didn't accomplish this shit today. Look at how big this one th- fucking list is. <laughs> like, one, like I'm the only one that wrote the list and it looks bigger at the end of the day than it does at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's another thing too, that I usually keep a list on my desk and it, and it, everything's never crossed off. There's always something on the list, exactly. no matter what. So it's like, kind of like when you set goals for yourself, like you're never, if you, the, you accomplish every single one, your goals aren't hard enough to get to. Like, so there's always something on the list. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to prep mm-hmm. wise, that's a, that's a cut and dry list. That's a prep, a list for the prep cook that comes in in the morning and he starts off cleaning brisket, firing up the smokers. You know, we set up the line, whatever it is like that stuff is like, here's a list. It's got to be done by the end of the day. This is our list for the line. It's got to be done by the end of the day, or these five things have to be done by 11 for us. And, the best prep cooks I've always learned, and especially breakfast cooks, is you come in, say you come in at 5 in the morning for a breakfast shift. You'll know that a good breakfast cook knows at 5.15 that they're five minutes behind for the day because you're routine-based. And at 5.10 every day, you turn the fryer on. 
And if it's 5.17, you just turn the fryer on, you know you're seven minutes behind. So I think like having that list and having like this is how I do it every time, it just gives you an opportunity to realize like, okay, I skipped a step or I know there's something I'm missing here or last time I screwed up. Like, so I think lists and, and keeping track of what you've done, especially when you're smoking meat and say you smoke something every month. Mm-hmm. Or two months or whatever it is, mm-hmm. there's no way you're going to remember how you did last time. Yeah. If you did, you're, I mean, kudos to you, but I think it's really, really hard. And if you really want to get better, you know, we were always in the anticipation of like, we want to get to the best brisket possible before we ever open for the for, for one time. So, yep. and then, okay, we made it one time, but now how do we make it a second time? Okay. Now how do we make three of them? Now how do we make 12 of them? Now mm-hmm. how do we make 50? Franklin barbecue cooks, I think it's 108 brisket every day. Every day. Oh my god. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> that and That's 54 cows. And you're at <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're at this level where you're a James Beard award winner and you've got a line that starts at 5 in the morning every day and if I only get to come one time and I wait in 5 hours in line and it's an awesome experience and then I get there and I get shitty brisket. <laughs> yeah. It's one shot yep. that you have. You know, for us, we're lucky that we're not a tourist destination. And most of our people, which is great, we are locals and we get to know them on a first name basis so we can provide a different level of hospitality. But like part of that opportunity is like, I know Aaron Franklin knows exactly what has to be done at 445 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I know he knows that like, shit, if these aren't off, we're behind. Like, this has got to be, they got to be resting at 5 o'clock or they're not going to be ready to slice. They're going to be too hot. And then with that comes, like, okay, we're 30 minutes behind. How do we make it up? Because when you're at your house, maybe the third, whatever, maybe we eat brisket at 10 o'clock exactly. at night. <laughs> no brisket. big deal. Exactly. But, like, people got to come in the door at 11 o'clock in the morning, whether whether you're ready to go or not. So that's kind of comes with, we were talking earlier about, like, seeing around the corner and seeing ahead of, like, okay, this is probably going to go bad. We got to figure, figure this out right now, but it's all, that's just all experience. But, and for obviously a professional cook, it's different, but there's no reason that a home cook can't adapt some of that stuff. And especially when it comes to smoking, because I know people that people that like to hunt, people like to fish, people like to smoke meat. We typically go way down the rabbit hole when we get started. So I always tell it like, I just started playing some video games recently and I told the kids, the kids at work, I was like, I can't start playing, man. Cause I get, I got addictive personality. And so I started playing, I'm gonna get hooked on it. And now I'm polishing off every one of my nights with some call of duty and I suck nice. at, and I suck at it. And then that makes me even more mad. Cause I want to be good at it. Exactly. So I'm like, okay, what I do yesterday? I screw. Okay. I'm thinking, okay, I screwed that up. Now, I, now I'm not a psychopath. I'm not making a list in my house of like <laughs> right, the 10 things I did yesterday, like, like a serial killer or anything like that with, but, but it's the same like mentality. I know people like, I know the first time you go, someone goes out and, and, and kills a deer and they get hooked on it. It's like, mm-hmm. now they're down that rabbit hole. And, like, yep. and why would anybody want to do something and not be good at it or be great yeah. at it? Like what's the, exactly who wants to be mediocre at stuff? Oh, that's right. Not the kind of people that I want to surround myself with. No, certainly. So hopefully that answers some of that question. No, it, 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 it answers a whole lot of that question because I feel like that that's kind of encompasses everything that we you know we hope to strive for we hope to do and you know all that different type of stuff and you you bring you bring up like a lot of really good points there it's like um god who was it it's like the mickey mantle quote like the reason why i play that hard every day is because there's someone in the stands who never saw me play at all and i don't want to make their day bad right you know you want to make sure that everything you do and everything that you're given to the community that every day 
is your best effort. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the big thing with smoking meats and that kind of stuff is consistency. I've been to a lot of barbecue places, have a lot of shitty barbecue. Mm -hmm. And 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 it's, you know, and the meat's too dry. You know, this isn't, you know, the side. And I want to get to this later. Sides to me are one of the most important pieces of a good barbecue meal. And some people argue with me about that. I don't think a lot of people will, but if you have, you know, (laughs) if, if, if you got crappy greens or if Mm -hmm. you've got crappy Mac and cheese, like Mm -hmm. I, I, I am more likely to go to a place that has really good sides and, you know, mediocre to good barbecue than like awesome barbecue and like shitty sides. Like, well, and I'll probably and I'm probably going to eat more sides than exactly. I eat meat. Yep, exactly. Because yeah, like, how much brisket can you eat? Right. Well, that's. <laughs> I mean, I eat a shitload. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> <so much. laughs> all well, the brisket. I think that's where a lot of these people kind of make a mistake too. Is they put all the, you know any barbecue restaurant the focus is on the meat which okay great that's what probably got you into it but the sides are you know every thing that you serve comes with a side if you put all the love you can into your brisket and spend 16 hours getting that right and then you get some out of the box crappy mac and cheese or something to go with it and it's garbage you know or yeah whatever i mean that's and that's the thing i don't think you get enough credit for and correct me if i'm wrong but all of your stuff is we make everything. from scratch, uh, we make everything. fresh ingredients, the real only, ingredients. The only things that we don't make are our buns. Okay. Um, they get fresh delivered to us every morning. And our sausage, which is made by Avril Blay in downtown Cincinnati, that which has okay. been open for 125 years. That's where the hot links come from? Yeah. So Copy that. I, there, <laughs> it's part of, part of being a, 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 a business operator and a chef at heart is like, you have to know, like, I can't make better sausage than they can. Mm-hmm. We can't yeah. make better than that. Know your strengths. Yeah. So, but, but as far as the sides, the sides, the sauces, the pickles, we make everything ourselves. And it takes a lot of work can and I, a lot of effort. Can I ask you how you get your cheese creamy? Because I've been trying to master my own mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. And I cannot, for the life of me, use real cheese and you know how like a uh, certain cheese is like a uh, grainy or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you gotta, um, you gotta, you gotta do a blend. So okay. I, I want to ask one question before okay. we get into that. Yeah. Damn it. So there's, there's two questions here. <laughs> one, are you using bagged cheese or are you hand shredding it? Both. I've okay. done, I've used both. Okay. okay. I, I, I want to hear your answer on this because since the wonderful world of quarantine has begun, yeah. um, I've done nothing but what well, my wife has started shredding all the cheese that makes a big difference. It's such it's night and day a huge difference. There's more cellulose in bags of shredded cheese. So secret out there for people go buy blocks of cheese that, you know, is, you know, you don't got to have the best quality, but you know, better quality obviously is better quality. Um, Shred your own cheese and you can actually get one for that KitchenAid mixer over there that you have. Um, And, it, night and day. Yeah. Night and day. No I'm making nacho cheese. I'm making nachos tonight and I'm hand shredded cheese yeah. blend just like you're talking yeah. about. So okay. we, so we use, we use Tillamook cheddar, which oh. is from Pacific Northwest, which is awesome cheddar. I, uh, again, I do enjoy it. Again, good product. Just Where no does different... one find that? 
Chromal Gems? Kroger, Kroger has it. sells Tillamook Cheddar. I would yeah. imagine. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, because most of the Krogers have like a nicer section, mm-hmm. cheese section. Yeah. Yep. But we, we use a mix. So here's, oh. so here's the difference. Here's the, <laughs> here's the high-end, fine-dining, high-quality product of Tillamook Cheddar, and then we use American cheese because we're hillbillies. Also. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a mix. Damn it, I was hoping you wasn't going to say that. Because like, I find that when people have like that gorgeous, creamy mac and cheese... There's either American or some kind or Velveeta. of death. Yeah. Oh, man. I love Velveeta. And, and I, I like it, but I'm like, man, that shit ain't cheese. You know, no. I can't I can't do that, but I guess I'm going to have yeah. to. It's a it's a it's a it's a mix. We use a mix of, okay. of both of them. All right. You, you can still get good American cheese. You don't have to buy like craft singles. Yeah. No, I know that. I just um craft singles are fine. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be fine. You'd be fine, man. You'd be fine. <laughs> We just discovered the secret just recipe: <laughs> pickles and bones, mac and cheese. Ameri- American, we, you cheese. know what? We put American cheese on a lot of stuff because it, the dip, it's good. It is good. It is very. And there's good. a high level of comfort to American cheese. Like we've got a special that's going to be coming tomorrow. That's going to be some smoked house-made smoked bologna that we made. I oh. saw that posted the other day, and I'm so excited. And some fried Kentucky round steak for any of oh, are, are you doing love fried Kentucky bologna? Round steak. Yeah, it'll be. We'll, yeah, we'll, oh. grill, we'll grill it right on the flat I'll top. see you in my the a.m., brother. My wife loves that. And yeah. and we'll put American cheese on that because that's what it should have on it. We're gonna put like eight dollar a pound cheddar cheese right. on a fried bologna sandwich. What no. kind of asshole would do that? <laughs> like, and it's better. It melt. The thing about higher quality cheddars too is like if you put them in. Without significant heat and more like viscosity, like cream, and it's not going to melt as far right, as. Right. So, I, like cheddar on a burger to me is not is not my preference. It's no. fine, but I don't like it as well because it doesn't melt as well. So I like American on a burger okay. because one, it's comfort from being a kid, and like that's what you had on a burger at American mm-hmm. cheese, and uh, and we like it. I mean, yeah. we, some people give a shit sometimes, like oh American cheese again. Like, well, when you find me a better, more comfort tasting cheese. To put on a burger or a fried bologna sandwich, then we'll use it. Until I've, then, I've never one, had of, on one of the best sandwiches I had was from, we were talking about Charleston earlier. Yeah. There was a gas station leaving Isle of Palms to get back on the highway. And they had, for breakfast, yep. fried bologna sandwiches yes. on biscuits. Love how, it. Like how, how, you know, homemade biscuits. Yep. And... Bologna is quarter inch thick yeah, with a big piece of American cheese on top of it. And it was just like, oh, my gosh, this is the perfect thing. Yeah. One, we were hungover. We come back from a sure. wedding. But, oh, my gosh, was it so good. Yeah. It, it's it's one of those things that you just, like, think of, like, when you're li- from when you're little. It's like, this is what I think of, like, when I'm home from school or, yeah. like, that mom made on the griddle or something like that when, when I was young. Oh, and if you don't want to use so American good. cheese, you could also do like a blend of, of cheddar and do a little cream cheese. That'll help make it creamy too. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But just make sure you, one thing you get, the, the, like the Tillamook, you got to really make sure that it's melted all the way. Okay. Because if not, it has like, can be a little bit more grainy just okay. because of the, the quality. Mm-hmm. But keep the heat low and let it melt and then put a little squeeze of mustard in there too. It's not going to make it creamy, but it makes it taste good. I'm yeah. finding that mustard is kind of a key to life. It's uh, everybody's. I used like, to not like it for that much stuff, but I. But it's same. It's pretty. I it's pretty mustard. legit. And now that. I'm just like, <laughs> you got any mustard? Yeah, it, well, it works. Well, speaking of that, because I think that kind of leads into another thing that we've talked about with regards to 
Um, I'm pointing at Chris right now. I keep thinking that there's a video of this Um, that we've talked about is when you're smoking. You asked me for a recipe for smoking chickens. And I slather my chickens in mustard. Mustard. Mustard and then the spices that you do with that. I've I've never really understood that, but it just retains stuff better. Like I, I guess, like as as someone who does this for a living, is there any you know advice or like kind of intuition that you can give us based off that kind of stuff, or is it just kind some, of something that everyone have always always done? Yeah, I know some people put mustard. Like some people, like when they do whole hogs, I've done a whole hog before with mustard on it. Oh, um, some people do really it good. to to help the seasoning adhere a little bit better. Okay, and obviously it's not going to do anything negative. Um, I did some short ribs, some whole short ribs, like whole plate short ribs. Oh, man. And I put mustard on those because I was watching a dude um, make it. I made them for Father's Day last year, the year before, and um, those were awesome. But we, we don't put mustard on anything as far as any of the meats. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not, I mean, I'm not against, huh. against that, but it's just not something that we – Not something that you guys yeah, do. Not yeah, not something that we do. But I do know it's pretty common practice out there. For, uh, I, especially for whole hogs. I didn't even realize like that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Like when, when I started, when I, you know, we, we were talking earlier, I got, I got my smoker three, four years ago. I, I literally had never smoked anything, never grew up with mom or dad smoking yeah. anything or anything Same. like that. And I just decided like, I want to try to do this. And I started looking online, like, you know, I wanted to do whole chickens and I, or like spatchcock chickens. Yeah, yeah. So spatchcock chickens and, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's cutting out the backbone. You lay them flat so they, they cook even a little bit more evenly yeah. and a little bit quicker. Great way to cook chicken. Yeah. Oh, man. Is it ever. Is, yeah. the, is that what they do at the festival? I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah like that's, you, what, you, that's you what I figured. Spatchcock. Yeah, you just, yep. you know. And, okay. and for anyone who's interested, get yourself a good pair of kitchen shears. Just cut the backbone out of it. You'll thank yep. me later. Mm-hmm. And it, every, everyone that I saw is like, mustard, 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 mustard. Hmm. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, why would I cover something in mustard that like, I don't want that taste on yeah. the bird and it, it works. Yeah. I did a Turkey breast earlier this year. Um, it's actually on our, uh, Instagram page. Oh, okay. I, I smoked, I smoked a, uh, I smoked a Turkey for hot browns mm-hmm. and it, same thing, slathered it in mustard yeah. after it'd been brined for God knows right. how long. Was because, this the Turkey you killed? N- no, this is not the not Turkey. The I killed <laughs> This is not the I'll mag. Let, I'll let you see the footage from the mag dump, <laughs> dump Jake. Uh, no, he he he's still sitting in the fridge. His legs and thighs were delicious, though. I made that into okay. barbecue. Nice. Uh, um, but I, I've never understood that. But you know, we talking about Carolina barbecue earlier. Like that. That is like. I mean, sauce wise. Yeah, that's, that's mustard an, based. It's right? mustard based yeah, sauce. Yeah, you got one. You got part. You got part of the Carolinas that are mustard based, and you got part of the Carolinas that are that are vinegar pepper. Vinegar pepper based, you know, Eastern, okay. it's Eastern, Eastern Carolina, like Eastern. How in the hell is this even a thing? Yeah. That's Eastern like, oh man, side that's... is way more pep. <laughs> so you have a lot more whole hog barbecue toward the Eastern. So whether it's Eastern part of like South Carolina, Eastern North Carolina, it's still more whole hog traditional mm-hmm. barbecue mm-hmm. and then West, West North Carolina specifically, I believe is more mustard sauce based, but wow. you can still go there. Like we go to Asheville a lot. And one of my favorite places goes Buxton Hall, and that's, I mean, that's in Western North Carolina, but yeah, it is. it's, but it's whole hog barbecue that's vinegar pepper. So, I think the rules are kind of starting to meld a little shift bit more. a little bit, which is like, you know, traditionally, especially in the South, everybody's very, this is this region. You know, if you you, you like, um, 
Ugly Delicious, the barbecue episode. Oh, really, yeah. Really good. And they talk, and all those guys talk about, like, well, you know, we're in Memphis, so we cook this way. I would mm-hmm. never dream of doing it this way because that's not our. I was like, I get it. And there's something cool about that for us to go to those regions. But, like, that's the cool thing for us is that we're in Cincinnati. We don't have a region. Exactly. You know, we, we don't have any expectation to for you to come and be like, oh, I, I can't believe you don't cook this style. Well, and, you know, I went to Kansas City. It, it's got to have been four or five years ago for a Bengals game. The Bengals play the Chiefs there. And I went to – what's the place? It was right around the time that Wonder Bread, like, like took a shit. Mm-hmm. And they, they did, couldn't have it. But, like, one of the barbecue places there, like, that's their thing is Wonder Bread. Yeah. Like, and that kind of stuff. And I went there. Ar- Arthur's. Maybe that's what it is. I can't remember. I'll, I'll think of it later. Yeah, I can't remember that. But – we went there and like it was good barbecue. Mm-hmm. We went to the tailgate the next day. It was better barbecue. Sure. And like you ask, like you know, what's what's your process with this? And first thing out of out of their mouth, this isn't Texas. This is how we do it here. Right. You're gonna think it's like that. And I'm like, well, like explain it to me a mm-hmm. little bit. And people get really defensive. Oh yeah. Over that kind of stuff. There's a place over. Um, uh, over in Kentucky, that does Texas style barbecue. Right, big bold letters on the front of the, um, front. Really good stuff. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong, but people get really defensive when they say like, "This is what kind of barbecue we have for the region." And I feel like that when you try to de- um, keep it away from the area or something like that, we're not one of those areas. Ohio's no. not. You know, Ohio, Northern Kentucky, Southern Indiana isn't known for no. like its barbecue no. world. No, we're not. Or we're not our chili, own. maybe yeah, chili. On the yeah, area. chili. We're not <laughs> our own region. Like yep. I've heard some people like, Vic, maybe we have, maybe we have our own region coming up soon. I'm like, I don't think that that's the case because we're just like a melding of whatever we feel like cooking, and that's cool. exactly like it doesn't have to. Uh, I get it's Texas style. Like our brisket is Texas style. Mm-hmm. It's salt and pepper and and prime beef. That's it. Cooked yeah. over wood. Okay, if that's a style, then that's great. Like that to me, it's just barbecue. Like pork, you know, we, we have our own rub, chicken, same thing. We do chicken thighs. We mm-hmm. brine them for two days, and we smoke them, and we pull them. I'm so we, happy you said chicken thighs. Then, then we like, talk them, in, then we toss them in butter, and you know, turkeys, same thing, just salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. Like um, real sausages we get from Avril Blay, which is a blend. It's like a a. a it's a blend that was made that's made specifically for us. Okay. So we tested recipes with them based off of a base sausage that they have, but it's brisket and pork. Uh, it's a beef and pork blend. Um, and then we had them make it a little bit spicier than, than kind of what, what we mm-hmm. started with, but that's something that's special for just us. And the right, typically we do ribs and rib tips. Um, right now we haven't been doing them. We've kind of pared our menu down and I'm, I'm going to put a, a big uh, thing out here. I really don't like ribs. <laughs> it's really not. I really don't like cooking them. Um, I don't like the, the reason being is it's really hard to get good quality uh, ribs every time. The sizing is really inconsistent. It's hard to get really consistently sized ribs, no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. And what we were talking about earlier, like people, we want consistency. People want consistency. Mm-hmm. I actually prefer the rib tips myself because I think they have more flavor. Um, they've got more gelatin in them. They have more cartilage. Like they're more like unctuous. Like I just, yeah. I prefer them. So ribs may not be coming back to our menu because honestly, I just don't really like cook them that much. I mean, I can't blame you, Chris. How did you like? We talked. 
You're shaking your head no. Let me tell you the bitch of cooking ribs. You got this really <laughs> cool part of the rib that cooks, in my opinion, perfectly. I had guests over the other day, and I, I really worked hard at not screwing it up. So I, I get everybody's ribs cut up into just a couple of bones, and um, I kept the thicker part and uh it's it's kind of that part that still has a little bit of that loin mm-hmm. attached yeah. to it complete shit uh dry everybody else i'm sitting here like pissed off at the world thinking everybody else is kind of having the same experience and they're then all of a sudden they're like man these are amazing and i'm like well, i don't know what the hell you're eating <laughs> but i am pissed trade. so trade me oh <laughs> give me my ribs back ribs are one of those things that when when I first think of barbecue, like really kind of like the introduction to barbecue, most guys, they're like, or most guys are women because 30% of our listening audience is women. Yeah. Love you ladies. Yeah. <laughs> ribs are like what comes to mind. Like whenever someone thinks of barbecue, it's like, Oh, ribs. And it's like that, that that's, that's not the best thing you could, could do. Like, Pork butt, yeah. you know, is in my mind anymore. Like the first thing I would tell somebody, like if you're going to start smoking something or if you're going to start on something, start with that. Oh, it, start it, with that for sure. Yeah. Or start with chickens. Or start with One chickens. Or the other. Like, like ch- chickens to me, um, good, simple. Most chickens are going to be all the same size because normally if you're getting them from a store, you're, they're they're all going to be, be the same, same size. size. They're yeah. all going to be the same size. Like you're you're yeah. not you're not going to get like one monster chicken and one tiny chicken. Right. Um, you know, if you go to a farm in um, anywhere else, you might get different sized yeah. ones. But for for the regular person that that's kind of listening to this, you know, chickens are a real good intro. But pork butts as well. Ribs give me fits. Yeah, and and I just because, well, because they do. Like you you go online. Or, you know, you listen to mom or dad or whomever. Well, you boil them. Well, you yeah. pressure cook them. Three, well, two, one. Do the three, three two, two, one. one. Everybody, I was just going to say, everybody's a three, two, everybody's three, two, one. Yeah, three, Shut two, up, one. And, and, and you know what? I've had plenty of three, two, one ribs that are really good. And I've had three, two, one ribs that are awful. Yeah. Um, because they're undercooked or something doesn't go right. Or and over. Or oh my gosh, so they're overcooked. I'd rather. And then it, and then it, and then it's like it's like eating jerky. Yeah. And you know when I think of a rib, you know, I I don't I want I want just like biting into it and it's delicious. And there's a big difference also because, again, regional wise, you go to Texas, they serve you beef ribs. Right. You go to anywhere else, it's pork ribs. I best ribs I've ever had were beef ribs. Wow. Hands hands down beef ribs. I I thought the same thing that you just said is like just kind of uh man they the were so about, good. The thing about ribs too is like so we would try to sell them in, you know, get a meal, you get three or four bones whatever it is. The the really the be- the only way to eat ribs is you have to get a whole slab. Yes. Because if there's four of us at the table and we want to split split a rack of ribs there's a couple bones in there that are the best ones that we all want. Absolutely. And then after that, <laughs> it doesn't matter. So when we talk about like consistency, like mm-hmm. I, we all come in, we all want a rib plate. Well, if I got one rack of ribs to get all those rib plates off of, it's really hard to get everybody something that I'm happy with. So we would say like, Hey, you get a quarter bone, quarter rack of ribs. 
Well, we didn't. Some people get four or five ribs, depending. Because like, if they're on the short end and they're small, I don't want. I'm not going to give you just three bones because it's a quarter sure. rack of ribs. Exactly. So you end up like, it, it just doesn't work out that way. Like, if you want a rack of ribs, like we'll probably do them for a special. Just like it's a rack of ribs. That's it. Yeah. Because even if you get a half a rack of ribs, agree. There's a half. There's a half that if I want more, mm-hmm. I promise you, mm-hmm. there's a half. If, and and I don't. I don't. I, I never like the fact where I'm have to choose. You get a half and you get a half. Yeah. So what do I, I, I cut them into bones and then divide them up. So you get like an equal portion of the, of the fatter end. And the, like, sure. It's, a, it's just a hard thing. It's good. One of those frustrating things. And a lot of people think the first thing is like, oh, you don't have ribs. Where's the ribs? Like, well, we don't have them. We got six other meats. They're delicious. Exactly. Like, and I, I tell you what, smoke to me, I'll take some delicious smoked turkey breast over ribs any day. As we, much as I, 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 I like eating them. But I don't like cooking them. I feel I feel smoked turkey is an underrated thing that people pass up. It's a shitty whole a lot, lot of times. times. It is. It's dry a lot of times. It almost is. always, a lot. Almost always, people make it dry. <laughs> <laughs> so dry. Which which leads me to my next question. Yep. Yes. If you are doing something that is typically gonna like, you know, like everything you read or you're told is gonna be dry. Mm-hmm. What is, you know, what are those things you can do to kind of at least try to start some moisture in there and keep it? Brine, 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 like hundred <laughs> percent brine. And the longer you can go, the better. Um, but you really have to watch. So the ratio that I've always used forever mm-hmm. is equal parts, salt and sugar, just equal parts of kosher salt and granulated sugar, white sugar, white sugar, not brown, yeah, right? White okay. sugar. Um, one cup of that to every gallon of liquid. Okay. So you want to heat the liquid, dissolve it in there. Now, after that, you can add spices, whatever else you want to mm-hmm. add. Mm-hmm. You want to dissolve it in there, and you want to make sure it's completely cool before you put your bird in there, whatever it is, whether it's chicken, whether it's turkey, like pork loin, same thing. Yeah. It needs to go into a brine. Okay. Um, you can make it. will be okay, but it's going to be better when it's a brine, even if you have pork chops. Mm-hmm. Put them in brine for 12. If you can get them in brine for 12 hours, they're going to be better than they were just taking them out of the package or cutting them off a loin and going into the thing. Okay. Brian, so Brian, 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 I, I, you know, and I, I need, I don't even think a pork loin is, is being one of those things <clears throat> that would be a good idea to brine. But at the same time, that makes complete sense. We always brine. If we do like, we'll do like the Cuban mm-hmm. special and we'll do, we do smoke pork loin, mm-hmm. pull mm-hmm. pork on it. And, but we always brine the pork loin for at least two days for, for at least two days. Yep. Okay. Same thing on our chicken thighs. We always brine those for at least two days. And obviously those are much smaller. So you really got to be careful. You have to make sure that your, your ratios are right. Cause if it's too salty and you brine something small like that for two days, and you smoke it, it's going to be salty. It's, it's, it's going to taste like the ocean. Yeah. And then there's another option too, where like, um, you can take like, it's like, like, a, like an old French technique and you can take like strips of like pork fat and thread them with like a needle Mm-hmm. into like like a like a wild turkey breast yeah or like venison and it'll actually if you can cook it at a low enough temperature like if you're smoking it or if you're if you're roasting it or whatever that fat will kind of meld with the animal that you're cooking to kind of introduce introduce some more fat into something that's typically typically leaner or like you know if you're doing a stew mm-hmm. you're doing a stew of something with whether maybe it was a rabbit or something like yeah. that that's again leaner um, it's gamey a little bit gamey add like uh, a big ham hock in there or something like that that's going to slow cook and it's going to add it's going to add more flavor 
obviously also, um, than something that's super lean. And, uh, cause no matter what, like I know you want the, you want to taste the flavor, but you also want to add, there's some of, some of those opportunities like on a, on a, on a wild Turkey breast where like a little bit more flavor is probably going to be going to be a benefit. It, 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 it's key. And we've, we've discussed this <clears throat> with, turkey just being one of those things that you, the thing i always think of is like that that scene at christmas vacation <laughs> where where they're all around the table and he, he like cuts yep. it and like it just kind of like releases the steve like save i told you i was turkey for too long <laughs> save the neck for me clark right. um and you get that super dry nasty turkey that it turns it, a lot of people off it too. turns a lot of people off and and everybody's at it like if someone tells you they've not ever had a dry turkey, I'm looking at them and say, like, you're a liar. You've never had Thanksgiving You've dinner, had Thanksgiving dinner tried, in the family room before. <laughs> you show up, show up, and mom's like, I pulled the turkey out. It was 170 when I took it out of the oven. Like, oh. That thing's seen better days. That's done already. That's, it's, it's been it's, done for four it's hours. It's done good. It's funny, too, because you can cook the most perfect turkey of all time. And I've noticed that once you break that bird down, you don't get it covered up. It, it loses its moisture super oh, yeah. fast. Yep. Well, that's another important part, too, is just like whether it's smoking meat. You know, if you spend 14 hours smoking a brisket, mm-hmm. you're going to need to wait another couple hours before you slice it. Same thing on the turkey. Like, don't slice that turkey. Look, don't do not do it. Because <laughs> whatever you're going to – you're going to waste all the energy and effort you put into it. Because I, I would say, like, uh, if you – if you're – jump into a freezing cold swimming pool mm-hmm. and first thing you do is like tighten up. So that's whatever you've cooked has been doing that the whole time. Like wow. don't slice it. Don't slice it. Pull it off. You know, a lot of people will do like the, uh, they'll smoke it. They'll wrap it. They'll get it up to temp and then they'll wrap it in the wrap it up and put it in the cooler mm-hmm. for another three mm-hmm. hours. Like, I don't know. I, I haven't done a lot with that, you know, ours rest, would for hours before we slice them um but don't slice it right away whatever it doesn't matter whether it's a roasted chicken coming out whether it's a steak like if you cook a nice strip nice ribeye just let it sit yep take it off and let it sit same thing you put on the grill let it sit quit turning it quit flipping it (laughs) you're not doing shit and then we pull it off let it rest that will do it for part one of a two-part series with josh house of pickles and bones barbecue come back next week to hear josh tell us more about the amazing ways to smoke meat and impress your friends remember we're available on all major listening platforms for podcasts and you can reach us at the elite outdoors one at gmail.com that is the elite outdoors number one at gmail.com look forward to hearing from you guys and talk to you guys later bye